Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! To the win! All right, Dunks and Discourse, episode 38, the Kwame Brown Pistons edition, because uh, if you had a better 38 off the top of your head, send it my way, because I was that's the only guy I could think of. Uh, <laughs> not the Wizards, not the Lakers, Pistons, Kwame Brown, number 30. Okay, here we go. I am excited. I'm just back from holidays. Jabari held it down. I listened to both pods. Good stuff, man. Thanks, Varun, for hopping in. Um Thanks to all the guests who came in and, and talked about their teams and the bubble and everything that went down. Thanks for holding it down, Jabari. No, nah, no doubt. I'm glad glad to have you back. Like I had a good time with the guests, and obviously it's always a good time with Varun. But you know this this is where it's at. So good good to have you back. Yeah, I was I was a little choked that you and Varun did the wire without me, but I <laughs> I did I did laugh because you know when we do these forms. I usually get a pretty big response. Like on the more niche movie topics, you know, we might only get 150 people to fill it out. On the bigger ones, you know, we've hit, you know, over 1,000. Mm-hmm. And I know that Varuna's hit me up like, not a lot of people are filling out the Wire one. I'm like, because the Wire has the most fraud fans in the world. Like something about NBA Twitter and, and, and the Wire wasn't a smash hit when it came out. But something about like NBA Twitter and and culture of where we're at with TV and sports, The Wire has really worked itself in as a favorite. So I, I find more than any other show, people pretend to see The Wire when they haven't seen The Wire. To, and, and I was going to say, not to clean it up, but to be clear, you're referring to the folks that present as though they are. Because like The Wire fans are probably oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. diehard, diehard. <laughs> but no, no, but were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. There, yeah. there, there are a lot of folks that will say, "Oh man, it's the greatest thing ever," and you can and kind of to the point. I think you even made it to me, uh, whether it was over text or in the chat. Uh, you can tell they haven't even watched the show, or at least haven't watched it all the way through. Yeah, so. man, it's it, like people love The Wire, but I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like a music or movie comparison. But like people, the way that people talk about The Wire online, you would think that it had the same following that say Breaking Bad had, but it wasn't even close. Like, yeah. Bre- and- Breaking well, Bad's numbers were just astronomically higher for viewership in The Wire, but yet people talk about The Wire like they've all seen it. I know you haven't. I know there's some fakers out there. Yeah, and that's being honest. And you know, honestly, judging not only by the amount of responses we got on there, which to be you know, in fairness, on the timeline, I may have actually had more responses than we got in the actual form. But based on the way that people you know actually responded, because we were supposed to be ranking them and. A lot of people just gave all the, all the characters fives. Uh, either way, uh, while you know whether whether it's real love or fake love, I definitely appreciated all of the interaction on the timeline because it was a lot of fun. Well, we'll wait. We'll wait a year and then we'll find another slant on it for me to get in us to do an hour on the wire. Maybe next off season. Without um, we are going to preview all the playoff games. We're going to talk a little bit about the bubble, the success of the bubble. Um, 
I think I'm going to push everything else back, and we're going to do the playoff series breakdowns, though, first. Oh, okay. Um, because I just, I, you know, when we were doing hot takes and shot fakes, I feel like we put a lot of love into this episode a couple years in a row. Um, it's the same today. You know, there are a lot of people who watch the NBA, who watch it for, like, the player movement and, again, the culture of it and the social media presence. Um, there are a lot of people who think the NBA regular season is too long, but playoff basketball is its own beast. And we're here, and I'm very excited to do this episode. No, without a doubt. I mean, I think you're. it's probably the right choice. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. Yes, it, it, it'll be great to talk about the bubble and the success of all of that, but look, that's done. It's playoff time. Let's get it going. Yeah, and I mean, we will say some nice things about the Suns towards the back end of this episode. And and, and about Adam Silver. I'm going to need some crow and Adam Silver. But let's, let's do the playoffs um, because, you know, we, we're recording this on Sunday. Tomorrow we're getting games. And the way that things are moving, I think it is every other day for every matchup. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you want to do you want to start with with the chalk, or do you want to go to the one series that's got everybody talking first? Should I bury the lead? Wherever you wherever you want to go. No, no, don't bury it. Let's 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 jump right out. Okay, let's do OKC Houston because okay. uh, let's let's start with the one series that that people are somewhat split on. Now, uh, I take great pride in trying to do. To objectively lay these out before Jabari and I chop these up. That doesn't mean I'm not biased. If you're a fan of mine, you know that James Harden isn't my favorite player to watch play basketball. You know that I love Chris Paul. I have a clear rooting interest in the series. But when I'm laying this out, um, I'm, I'm going to try to lay it out clean, and then Jabari and I will go back and forth. So I did polls on my account. I'm a pretty general NBA account. All of those polls are between 2,000 and 3,000 votes when I was tallying these up. 50s, and the reason that I'm doing this too is there's so much of like we were underdogs, no one believed in us, and like <laughs> let's just get let's just get things straight as we go in here. Russell Westbrook is going to miss some time. We don't know how much time. It could be a game, it could be two games, it could be the whole series. I re- I really don't know, and and people are speculating, but I have not read definitively like Russ is going to give it a try for game three. We don't know. Have you heard anything that I haven't? No, the last thing that I read, which was late last night, I was I was looking into the most recent reports, and it said just the beginning of the series. So you know that that that's who knows. Like you said, it could be one game, could be you know slowed at the start, or whatever the case may be. Or you're right, it could ultimately wind up being the entire series. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Russell Westbrook, and I mean we'll debate that in a sec. Houston OKC. Houston went one and two against Oklahoma City this season. Of the however many people voted on the poll, 56.9% of fans still think Houston is winning the series. The ESPN expert panel, which had 17 people predict the series, had 11 say Houston and 6 say Oklahoma City. Jabari, what's your first thought heading into the series? My first thought is, you know, I, I and I'm not going to whine about this the entire episode, but it's one of those where I really wish we could see both teams going in, you know, as healthy as you know as healthy as possible. Uh, given the fact that you know Westbrook, we don't know whether he's going to be there at the beginning or whatever, or whether he'll be slowed throughout. I'll be honest. I, I had Houston and I had this as a Houston win. You know, I would have had you know this as a Houston win in probably five. Right now, I think at. At best, you could say Houston in six and possibly even a seven-game series. In fact, I'm hoping for that. Yeah, I, so there's a couple things here. A couple more stats for you before I kind of weigh in where I'm, what I'm feeling. Um, Harden was minus thir- a minus 31 this year in three games against Oklahoma City, and he shot 38%. Mm. He did not play particularly well against the combination of Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, he's going to have a huge workload. 
in the past, you know, uh, we can debate the merit of it, but rest and, and a large workload have contributed to the, well, Harden had a bad game, but look what he's had to carry. He's had a lot of months off. It was looking like that wasn't the case. And now, you know, with Russ out, it, it is very much going to be the case in the games that he's not there. And, uh, and I do feel bad for Houston fans and the fact that, like, they had this chance against Golden State, and Paul was hurt, and now they have this really good team um, where they're trying something different, and this pandemic where maybe this is a year where something crazy works, and now Russ is hurt. So I do feel for Houston fans because this, this has been a couple years of some real bad luck with the injury bug. Yeah, look, uh, look, uh, and and even to that point, we're going to make this about the big names like you know CP3, Harden, and eventually Westbrook, but I, I'm going to be honest. I'm hoping that we get to see, you know, with extended play, I'm hoping we get to see the true emergence of Shea Gildress uh, Alexander. You know, he obviously made some noise in the first portion of the season, uh, but I'd like to see this be the type of coming out party that would kind of propel this actually do, to being like a seven-game seven affair. Okay, here's, here's, here's my last run of stats, and this, I'm going to be long-winded here, but Chris Paul is my guy, and this is my chance to chat him up. Okay. <laughs> So CP3, I feel like, has been the most disrespected player in, in, in my lifetime of watching ball. Now He's one of them. Kobe obviously has his detractors, LeBron, you might say James Harden, but these guys all won an MVP award. These guys all won championships with the exception of Harden. Like, they have their diehard fans too. Paul has moved around, and he's not had the playoff success, and for whatever reason, People dismissed him a lot, despite, you know, an absolute killer winner over a Spurs dynasty, you know, right over Tim Duncan, you know, being the best player, arguably, against the Warriors in that conference finals. It's been really tough for Paul to get cred. So I'm just going to give some playoff stats here, okay? All right. You let me know how you feel about these. Okay. 24.5 player efficiency rating. And if you're shaking your head on some of these advanced stats and they're not for you, that's fine. But 24.5 player efficiency rating, taking um, account the per-game stats all around. That's how I break it down. Okay. Um, he's sixth all time with 24.5. The five guys ahead of him, Michael Jordan, George Mikan, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, and Hakeem Olajuwon. He's sixth. Okay. Mm-hmm. True shooting percentage on guys who have a usage of 22 or more. So guys that actually have the ball. We're not going to put this up with, like, you know, the Kyle Corvers who shoot five threes a game. Um, he has a 57.9 true shooting percentage in the playoffs. That's 12th all-time behind Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Adrian Dauntley, Reggie Miller, Kevin Durant, Dwight Howard, Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, Steve Nash, James Harden, and LeBron James. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to like my response, even though I'm going to be agreeing with you. At at least give me – let me give the last two before you just smash this up. No, no, no. It's not smashing, I promise. Okay, win shares per 48 minutes, .199 in the playoffs. That's eighth. Behind Michael Jordan, George Mikan, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Magic Johnson, Jerry West, Wilt Chamberlain. Okay? Mm-hmm. Box plus minus. How much is his team winning by when he's out there? He's six behind uh, Wally Jones, who I've never heard of, which is wild. Uh, yeah. He won a title with the 67 Sixers. Weird addition. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and Kawhi Leonard. Like, mm-hmm. all of, four different advanced stats. He's top 12 in all of them, top 6 in two of them. I think Chris Paul's going to do something in the series. I, re- I really do. And, and I think he has a good team. He's got a good opportunity here. I He might be too old to be the best player on the championship team. This might not be that team. But him you know, beating Houston in the first round with how that trade played out would be a hell of a narrative moment for him, and I hope he gets it. 
You know, honestly, and this is where I am going to be. I am going to sound like a hater. I'd absolutely be here for it, even though I think Houston's going to win the series. You know, I'd be here for it just for the chaos on the timeline. And also because narratives are important to me, even though I'll try to dismiss them at times or sometimes I just don't feel like getting into it, like on the timeline. Ultimately, when you're talking about an all time great, which Chris Paul is and and I'll I'll eventually you know go where I was going to go. Uh, you know, the, these types of things are important. So, like, even if it doesn't end up being a title run or even a, you know, conference finals run, it, it, you know, the deeper he can get, the deeper OKC can get, the deeper, you know, he, you know, he can inspire and propel them, you know, the better it's going to be for, you know, for his overall, uh, you know, uh, the, for the overall talking points when, when we're discussing his, you know, his place amongst the all-time greats, like I said, which he belongs. But the part that I said that you're not going to like is, you're all, all of those stats. You're preaching to the choir. Like, yes, you're right. Chris Paul has been disrespected. Yes, you're right. A lot of people just don't like Chris Paul, whether it's because of the attitude or what they perceive as his attitude or whatever the case may be. They, you know, they, you know, simply NBA, you know, NBA Twitter seems to be torn on him at the very least. Uh, you know, the smarter, you know, the smarter folks, they at least acknowledge, no, like he's an all time great talent, even if they don't like his personality, you know what I mean? Or his approach or style or how he engages with his teammates or whatever, whatever reason people give, you know, to, to you know, denounce him. But I'm going to make a comparison here. He's an all-time great, and I know that you're not going to like it, but it's kind of like it, it reminds me very much, you know, because I did watch him play. It reminds me very much of how people nowadays talk about Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, at, you know, during his time was an all-time great, and he is still an all-time great at that position. But people speak of him like he, like he's a joke, simply because either they don't like you know like the way the rest of his career you know, uh, tra- you know transpired. Uh, and I understand if you if, if you want to dig deep into the you do you if you want to dig deep into the you know uh, you know his history, but it really does have that same feel. I want to push back on that on a couple fronts. One. You know, Isaiah Thomas was seen as the arch enemy of the most popular guy in the sport. That's not really been the case for Chris Paul. And two, there are Isaiah Thomas fans like I, I think that's that's half true. Because like there are a lot of people who would say Isaiah Thomas was just like a half notch down from Jordan Bird magic mm-hmm. and really felt like that at the time too, because he was winning. And I think that Chris Paul would have a lot of that too if he was on a team that won. Yes. The, this, this, the, the, here's the thing. It I, I I appreciate that you're going half. This is this is one of those where because I've watched it happen, I, I can tell you I can get I can offer the perspective. You don't have to agree, that's okay, but I can offer the perspective. They they are very similarly viewed. Whether you know, no matter how they got there, uh, it's the same type of feel. It really is, and yeah. it, you know, to be honest with you, which is a shame because, like I said, they, you know, like, you know, I think. If everybody, you know, all things are considered and everybody's really thinking about things, you know, both of them are easily top 10 point guards. Okay, so here, here, here's where you're at on this. And I, I thought you were going to go with the age angle. I thought you were going to say, yeah, he's all those things, but he's, he's not that guy today. And I, oh, and no, I, no. I might have had, had to concede some of that because he's obviously not who he was seven, eight years ago. He's still a very good player. Of course. You have Houston in six? You know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to make it official Houston in seven. I think it's going to go seven. I'm going to say OKC in six. Ooh, I like it. Okay. I think I, I'm gonna. I think Paul's gonna run a tighter ship. And honestly, as much as I would love to give all like Paul the credit, I think the Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, Daniel Gallinari, Stephen Adams trio supporting players, and Dennis Schroeder, like OKC has a has a very clean seven seven man rotation. And and it's not like Houston's a team that's a lot deeper. So I, I think they're gonna get this done. 
I feel like this is a really good matchup. This is the this feels like the best matchup the playoffs of the first round. Yeah, yeah, on paper, definitely. Uh, you're, you're looking at them. I, I, I won't lie. If Westbrook were there, I would, I would definitively say it's the best matchup. I, I kind of have to see how it's going to have to play out, but it's definitely the one that one of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. Here, here's two other things on this series before we move on. Um, the way that Harden is covered really bothers me a lot. Um, obviously, covered by the media or fans and the media. Oh, okay. E- everything he does is exaggerated. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, on par for the way how he plays basketball. In all fairness, yeah. But uh, Jason Maples at JJ Maples fifty five underscore MST, who mm-hmm. we've mentioned, one of the yeah. guys on NBA Twitter. Great follow. He was saying Westbrook will miss part of the series, so Harden's legacy won't take much damage after the first round out. That pissed me off, man. We haven't even played a game yet. The Rockets are still favored in the series. Harden wants to be regarded as the best player in the NBA. He's not playing the Dynasty Warriors. He's not playing the first place LeBron James Lakers. He's not playing the Clippers with the reigning finals MVP. He's not playing the Bucks. They're playing like the ninth favored team to win the NBA championship, a team that they're still favored over, a team that traded away, you know, his backcourt mate. I And he's, you know, a guy who wants to be the MVP every single year. I just, I, I don't like this. I, why, why are we already saying this about Harden's li- Like, why are we already making excuses for yeah, James pre- Harden before we tipped off? preemptively making excuses is never the way and and I don't even think that's what Jason was doing I think he was actually pointing out the fact that he knows Twitter is going to say that like essentially like because that, that it's always the built-in conversation like if, some, if if something of this nature you know takes place it's oh okay yeah but and but, when but, I, I I'm not saying it's right I'm just saying it it, it is no no it goes both ways though because Harden's the best at everything he's oh. he's he's the most slightest <laughs> slighted guy in the NBA history if you ask Houston fans. Houston yeah. fans who would have boiled Russell Westbrook alive and now, oh, now he's just a sidekick and unless we're just talking about well, Russ and he's the best. Houston fans are ridiculous. So, <laughs> here, here's the thing, man. Like, if Harden comes out and he has a 10 turnover a game again, which he's had a few of those in the playoffs, by the way, mm-hmm. and he just looks like crap. No! He can take some shit for that. Absolutely. Oh, oh he but, absolutely can and he, should. If Harden, but in the same time, I'm I'm not trying to be unfair. If Harden comes out and averages 30 a game and, and plays his heart out, and they're clearly doubling him all the time, and there's, you know, he wasn't getting the support he needed because his co-star didn't come back in time, you know, look, like I can be rational and say that too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit him for that. But like the preemptive, like oh well, this shouldn't really hurt his legacy <laughs> if he loses, you know, to the the fifth seed Thunder or the fourth seed Thunder in the first round. Um, no, come on, man, like. <laughs> Give me a break on that. No, no I, like, like I said, I hear you because I, I see stuff like that. And, and like I said, I, I see where Jason was coming from specifically because I you, you and the reason why you're so bothered right now is because, you know, it's going to be the case. Not because not, not because it bothered you so much that it is the case, but you just know it's coming. And they, yeah, that's annoying. Well, there's just like, I mean, I know that Houston, there's nothing. Harden could go one of 18 with 13 turnovers, and Houston fans would blame the supporting cast or Dan Tony. He was tired. I know he had four months off in a pandemic, but he was so tired from those eight bubble games. Like, that's in, what in fairness, they would be because they'd got a spreadsheet, you know, or a series of spreadsheets proving why that was the case. Here's the last thing I'll say on this series whether Harden plays great, bad, or otherwise, I'm coming for Daryl Morey in this series if OKC wins. Because, you, like, you, people got to remember, he moved Chris Paul, two first-round picks, and the rights for OKC to swap with Houston two other oof. years. So essentially four first... 
<laughs> he was four first round picks confident that Russell Westbrook would beat the brakes off Chris Paul when it came down to it in the playoffs. And the argument, the argument that everyone made was durability. Oh man, Just. that was the argument. Just. Well, you know, maybe maybe Chris Paul isn't that much worse, but Russell is way more durable. That Just. look where we are. All right, you know what? I'm one of those people where if you have a good argument and you're presented and, and when you're presented with facts, it is okay to change your opinion. And right here in this moment, right in the I'm riding the same wave with you, man. I didn't. I had actually forgotten about that aspect of it, and and specifically, I'm thinking about what I believe Chris Paul. Just how much he's going to, you know, he he's going to be. He'll probably be, be. He'll probably have like the terms of that deal in his head. He'll be say, reciting them at the free throw line, the way Carl Malone used to say whatever he used to say, whether it was like reciting his victims or I don't, I don't know what what he used to say at the free throw line. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm switching it up. OKC in seven. <laughs> I'm not saying six. I think they're gonna beat him in seven. People were on the time. Like, do you understand? People were on the timeline last summer. Like, whose contract's worse, John Wall or Chris Paul? Oh yeah, I, I, I was a part of those conversations. John so Wall I wasn't playing in it. Chris huh? Paul's the best player on a playoff team. Yes, I win a, yes. a series. Yeah, it's I, unbelievable. I, I was guilty of the conversations. I, you know, I wasn't saying he was dead, but I definitely was talking about that contract and specifically saying that I didn't think it, it could ever be moved. So you know what? Like I said, I'm gonna ride this wave with you. And if I'm wrong, you know Houston fans are gonna come for us. And and there's there's a lot of strands of this. Like Daryl Morey might be on his way out. Mike D'Antoni's already getting rumored to New Orleans, and they haven't even played the series yet. Jesus, which is which is wild. But like Morey already takes an L on this one because you gave four picks, citing that you were going to get a better player, which we could debate all damn day, and citing that he was more durable, which is obviously not the case. Now I'm not going to go hot take everyone on the timeline because like I could I could retweet some tweets right now, man. <laughs> I could come for some blood. But I don't. I don't want to like. I'm. Not, I'm not celebrating Russ being hurt, and I don't want that yeah, to be that, that, that was seen that way. I wish Russ was healthy. But man, Maury, that is a hell of an error from the GM. Maury, you know, we we spoke of this last summer. He went all in. He had to go all in, and we understood it. Now, whew, good luck, man. Good luck. I I, I honestly think that's going to be a completely new situation there in Houston next year. I won't miss a second of this series. I, there we I, are. I, 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 I will not miss a second of, of this series. That's where I'm at. So game one is Tuesday night at 6.30 Eastern. And it, I, I'm laughing at the Oklahoma City at Houston. Houston at Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, look, you know, quick segue on this. Um, quick, quick segue before we go to Denver, Utah. Someone made the point to me that the Lakers really got kind of hosed because they, they actually went out and they won these games and – they didn't rest players like, you know, the Clippers rested Kawhi. And they're they're making the argument that essentially the Lakers did all the hard work to be rewarded with no home court advantage. Um, and I, I'm not the biggest believer in home court advantage anyway. I think it's more travel than fans yelling. But but at the same time, like, that is true. And, like, if this is – if the league is going to be in bubbles next year, I think the league almost needs to find an incentive. Like, what's – if the Clippers can win 40 games of a 60-game season – playing their stars half the time, why wouldn't they do that if there's no home court advantage? So I think there's something the league actually really needs to take a look at before they start the next season. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to come across as whiny, but I'm of the same opinion. It it did screw, it definitely screwed teams like Milwaukee and teams like the Lakers. They went out there, put in the work, you know, got, you know built the leads, and then it didn't matter. 
but ultimately the game is a game. Everybody's you know, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It's it sucks for them, but uh, but but I do agree with you. Moving forward, they may have to alter, they may have to address this specifically because if I'm a team like the Lakers and Bucks, I'm I'm going to say, well then hold on, <laughs> what's the point of that then? Well, and, and to be honest, I would I would love to punch Lakers fans the nuts any chance I can get, but like that's a, it's a fair point. Like it, yeah. There, there's it a is. reason you go break your back and risk injuries from your guys and, and push yourself all season, and there's basically essentially no reward for it this year. Um, and you know that the league couldn't plan for it, but next year that needs to be taken into account. But wait, hold on, Josh. There was a reward because they got the be- they got the better rooms. They oh, got the yeah, better rooms true. there in the bubble. So hey, you know what? Hey, you know tomato, tomato. Here we are. Maybe for the conference finals, you'll be allowed family, long-standing friends, and one Instagram model. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, yeah, see, we'll, we'll see what the league we'll see what the league offers. Um, <laughs> Jabari's like, please don't make me comment on that. Please don't I was go- no, I was about to fire right out, and I thought, nah, shut up, don't say that, <laughs> don't say that. Okay, Den- Denver, Utah, and uh, no shame in the game, man. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Den- Denver, Utah. Um, okay, Denver uh, is eighty-six point eight percent of fans think the Nuggets are winning the series. Um, 16 of the 17 ESPN experts have the Nuggets winning over the Jazz. The one sole Jazz picker, Eric Woodyard, who writes some good stuff but was the Jazz beat writer for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I can never get off. If you're, the, if you're the beat writer, if you're Royce, the Royce Young Award, if, if you will, mm-hmm. and you, you pick your, your team when everyone else is picking you up, it, it just never looks nice in the light. Um, yeah, the it's, Jazz like picking, were, it's like picking you, know, you being the one guy that picks your guy for MVP when no one else did. Yeah, it's just it's just you know maybe I'm sure Eric's a good guy. I'm sure he has good reasons. He could make a case, but yeah, everybody else except the former Jazz beat writer has Denver. Eighty-six point eight percent of fans have Denver. The Jazz were zero and three versus Denver this year, and Mike Conley has left the bubble for the birth of his son. Oof. So, <laughs> um, somebody tweeted today. I think it was Zach Lowe or Tim McMahon that the Jazz picked up Mike Conley and Bogdanovich for this run to be to take all the weight off Mitchell offensively and here they are with neither of them there um yeah that sucks it's I'm I'm having a really tough time making a case for Utah man all right so here here you know what shout out to Eric and maybe this is what he saw yes the Nuggets went three and oh in those games but all all three games were within six points like they, they they traditionally battle each other. We, you know, even even if Denver comes out on top, it, it usually ends up being a battle. I'd feel much better about this if obviously Bogdanovich were there. And and honestly, I had forgotten. I I didn't even uh, realize the situation with Conley. Um, you know, con- congratulations to you know to him and his family. And obviously, you know, you know, no you know, no slight towards them. Uh, but yeah, with him out of the mix and with with Bogdanovich out of the mix. I guess, and you know, I'll, I'll go to the note because you did ask what we'd like, you know, what I'd like to see from this. I guess what I'd really like to see from this matchup is Jokic, Jokic and Gobert. You know, you've got one of the best offensive bigs, whether you know, against a guy that I think you consider and a lot of people consider to be the best defensive big. Uh, you know, going head to head. Uh, it appeared, you know, right now Jokic's in the best shape that I've seen him in, at least, or at least he's been in in some time. So I'm kind of intrigued to see, kind of see how that matchup goes. So here's the thing. Here's my thought. If Jokic's offensive value is more or less what Gobert's defensive value is, um, who's making up the difference from Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr.? Uh, like the Denver, it's basically everyone else on Denver versus Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson creating the offense. That's true. Yeah. It's just tough, man. I, I, I genuinely, and the thing too with Conley and 
this might not be fair, but I'm going to say I, I feel if Mike Conley thought the Jazz could win a championship this year, he might not have taken this trip. I'm not throwing shade on Mike ah. Conley for go. I'm not throwing shade. Go go to the birth of your son. That like family over basketball, 100%. But if Mike Conley in his heart of hearts was like, we are t- if they were the one seed Jazz, and they were like, this is our year. I'm going to win my ever first ever championship. We're going to win the first ever championship for Utah. If they thought they were that type of team, I think he's staying. It's so, possible. Like it, it, my gut reaction was to say, ah, hold on, is that fair? But it's it is possible. You know, and, like, and and here's the other thing. So. He, if he's gone less than seven days, okay, mm-hmm. and he tests negative every single one of those days, then he only has a four-day quarantine. So let's say he's gone all seven. He tests neg- like best case scenario, tests negative all of them. He's eleven days away. That would make him available for Thursday, August twenty-seventh, a potential game six for Denver at Utah. Hmm. So I the mean, chances it, of him dressing for any of the first four, let's say, are like non-existent. Yeah, it, it's probably not going to happen. It's yeah, probably not going to take place. It's it, it's just it seems very unlikely unless the baby's born literally like tonight, mm-hmm. and he's right, what going to come back Monday. Yeah, start like, the clock right away, and yeah. So you, 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 if, let's say the baby was born tonight, Sunday, August sixteenth. And he spends all of Monday and he flies back Tuesday. Like, that's the, I guess, the best you could hope for if he chose to leave. That's four days. He might be able to play Friday in game three. It, it just, yeah, you can't, it you can't seems, really count on him. Yeah, he, he's just not going to be in the series. It, it, it seems very unlikely. I, I think Denver's going to take this one in five. Ooh, okay. I, I I had Nuggets in six, but that was also uh, actually with uh, Mike Conley in that mix. Um, yeah, I I wish that I could come up with something more creative for you know, for this matchup, but I do think the Nuggets are ultimately going to win it. If it it would be a legitimate series if every you know like if both teams you know had their full complement. Yeah. So what are you going five or six? Uh, I'll keep it in six. Yeah, and I I mean Michael Porter Jr. really adds a layer to this team. And yeah, yeah. What do you all, have? Yeah, had a couple games of thirty. We had thirty-seven, thirty, and twenty-seven. You know, in the seeding action. Uh, Sam S. Fandiari has called him Tall Clay. <laughs> I don't. I don't really like that because he can't play like a defense yet. But um, he's still the way he's years shooting. Old. Man is like in the bubble. He averaged twenty-two a game. Shot fifty-five percent from the floor, forty-two percent from three, and over six a night and 93% from the free throw line. And as much as, like, Paul Millsap is a nice glue guy who can still play a role, like, Michael Porter Jr. being able to shoot like that and, you know, being a legitimate tough assignment for someone on the Jazz, who, which, again, I mean, you and I both pointed out at the beginning of the season they're going to miss Jay Crowder. Yeah, yeah, like, because they don't have that big body that they can they, throw at big, at big wings. They don't have any wing to throw at a Kawhi, a LeBron, a Paul George, and now a Michael Porter Jr. They don't have any option for the forward that can go in or out and shoot the lights out. So uh, Wh- Joe Ingles is going to be busy. Where are we on Quinn Snyder as a coach? Because one of the notes that I had here was that it would be fun kind of watching the adjustments that Mike Malone and Quinn, Quinn Snyder exchanged uh, because I'm kind of anticipating uh, Mike Malone using uh, leaning heavier on Jokic as a playmaker uh, and in an, as an initiator to kind of keep Gobert off balance and kind of and you know which would pretty much negate his ability to patrol to, uh, kind of patrol the paint. 
the reason why I ask where we are in Quinn Snyder is because just a couple years ago, if not, you know, if if not within a year, a lot of folks were talking about him being like a top five coach. To, and I do recognize if you don't have the horses, you can't win. You can't win the race. But to a certain degree, I'm wondering, you know, in terms of you know where we lean in in, in the responsibility of coming up with something, coming up, you know, being creative, being able to come up with something in, in order to you know throw Denver off. I think he's still a very good coach. I think. I think of the Larry Brown Sixers every time I look at the Jazz. Okay. You know, like yeah. Rudy Gobert is Theo Ratliff, Dikembe Mutombo, Rubio's McKee, Snow. Um, but the ghost of Allen Iverson is really pissed off, and all of his fans are really pissed off with you for even putting Donovan Mitchell in Well, no, that's the point, though, is that Donovan Mitchell can't or has not to date proven he can carry the load that AI did. Oh, okay. But but that it's it's the same model of team in a different era that relies so heavily on spacing and defense, and I don't even know that prime, like Prime Iverson wouldn't make them much better. I don't think because I don't think this is a winning title formula. But that being said, like AI putting up the points he did and handling the load he did with you know a lesser defensive player and probably even a lesser cast, lesser spacing than Mitchell has now is it's getting really impressive. But I I just think Quinn. He's made the best of the fact that he's had essentially one guy that can get a bucket for the last four years. And and all due respect to Joe Ingles, who I think can do a little bit of everything, he just can't go out and physically grab you 20. Remember when people were saying that he was better than uh, Paul George? I recognize people were just being silly on the timeline, but Yo, that was a thing that was being said for shout, shout, Shouts to Andy Bailey because I love him, but that is that is when you get too deep into the spreadsheet and not enough into the eye test. Oh, was that, he the one that initiated that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. That wasn't even. That wasn't even intended. His, his, his tweet was like, "I'm not saying he's better, but and he like put up some like offensive box plus minus warp, whatever RPM." Oh, and I was like, "I appreciate that Joe Ingles is a very good commentary player, but come on, come on." Um, yeah. yeah. It, well, honestly, that wasn't even intended to him. I was just throwing it out there because I remember seeing people go back and forth about it. But wow, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that is that. Um, let's go to Clippers Mavericks. All right. So eighty nine point one percent of fans have the Clippers winning this one. Um, seventeen out of seventeen ESPN experts have the Clippers winning this one. The Clippers were three and zero versus Dallas this year. They won those games by combined thirty three points. Luca has been fucking incredible. Everything you could hope for. I think this has been a very good scene. Like season for the Dallas Mavericks, but all year and very rep- like in a lot of ways reminds me of 07 when the Mavericks were you know Dirk was MVP they were the best team in basketball but it was just like whatever let us play anyone but the Warriors let us play any mm-hmm. team in the league but the Warriors in the first round because we just cannot figure them out and they were a terrible matchup for us and when they go small Stephen Jackson makes things really hard for Dirk and we just we don't want that matchup that's the only team they didn't beat in the regular season. Um, that's what they got. Now, obviously, the Mavs aren't that great this year, but it was sort of the thing, same thing. We're like all year, Mavs fans were like anybody but the Clippers, because <laughs> Ka- Ka- Kawhi, George, and Bev is just a really tough, tough trio of defenders to have to throw at Luca. And it's not like one of them has to stay on him all game. They're just constantly giving him a heavyweight matchup all game for forty minutes a night. This is a really, really tough matchup for Dallas. It is, and you know what? Give, give me a second here because I I I, I prepped for this one in anticipation of you playing it easy, you know, playing it safely with you, you know, with your team, and I recognize and respect that. I mentioned this on the timeline that you know Memphis was two years ahead of schedule and how proud their fans should be, but I'm 
being straight up, Dallas is easily still a, a year ahead of schedule in their own right. Yeah. And I think that might that might be able to you know you know I guess pay them to you know pay them some advantage here in this matchup. It feels like a situation where they come in with the you know they can come in with the confidence of knowing that they're the actual underdog against the Clippers. The Clippers are the team that has the expectations that you know Dallas is you know in a way you know Dallas is playing with house money. So obviously Kawhi, Paul George, Pat Bev, as you just mentioned, you know those are the guys. They're going to make life difficult for Luca, and I, I still expect Luca to be you know to be effective. But I would understand if if that trio, as well as the rest of those guys, swarming and making the, you know and, and taking away the things and the angles and, and you know that he that he's most comfortable with. You know I would understand if he's a little bit slowed. So here's what I'm anticipating actually actually taking place, and it's kind of like it's kind of what if we ultimately see the Lakers and Clippers, it's kind of what I expect as well. You're, the Lakers are going to have to absolutely come with a heavy dose of AD. Chris Porzingis has to dominate this series. Now, I don't want to come across as as and it's funny because I I, I alluded to this you know uh, yesterday, uh, you know for something else when I was on with uh, with Ty and Rowan on uh, on the Euro step, but I don't want to come across as Shaq saying like oh he's got to have, you know you know like saying that, throwing out just like the arbitrary numbers, but really this is a series where th- you know Chris Porzingis I need thirty and I need fifteen you know fifteen to twenty every game and to be honest with you if he brings it in the way that I believe that he can because I think he can dominate that Clippers front line regardless of whom they throw out him I actually think Dallas has a chance in this series I wish I could share your optimism man like I, I like you making the case I wish I could share it let me share something so KP averaged 30 and a half points a game in the bubble did you know that I, I knew he was, was doing high? well I didn't I didn't know what you know what it was but I knew he did well he was a plus in one of the six games Okay. It's just But no, but no no, but remember, I'm I'm also talking about also dominating on the backboards. I'm talking about total I, domination I, the way that we the way that a lot of us really anticipated you know seeing from him by this stage in his career. So he averaged thirty almost thirty one points a game, almost ten rebounds, and almost two blocks in, in the bubble. He was a plus in one of the six games he played in. You know, he shot thirty eight percent from three. They just have not figured out Luca and KP aren't at their best together on the floor and uh you know like just just real talk with the mass fans are getting mad at me it, it just it is what it is and um earlier in the year someone was talking about how a lot of the time kobe and pow had to be staggered for similar reasons like it, the offense mm-hmm. just flew better through your power through kobe and it, and it made them never have a weak link and i mean there's the pluses of staggering your stars there, I want to say it was the first game against. It was the game against Houston where Porzingis had like thirty nine points and fifteen rebounds, and the stat line is just off. I was so frustrated with him because he's trying to post up like PJ Tucker twenty feet from the basket, and he's taking a whole possession to turn it over or, or take a really bad shot. And just the, the, there is something to be said like the flow of the offense is tough when it gets worked through. And I I agree with you that is that is the matchup because Zubats and 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 Harrell who gives up like seven inches to KP shouldn't be able to guard him. And it takes a lot of pressure off Luca to create every single possession. I just, and, and Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Maybe he figures that I just don't have confidence that they have this worked out enough to give them a shot in the series. I think the only way that Dallas even forces six is if Lou Williams convinces the team to take a Magic City trip <laughs> after it's 3-0 Clippers and they are quarantined for the next two. 
That's so, that's the vibe I'm getting. No, I, I, honestly, I do understand. I understand, but you know, playing it safe, and and if you you know that I wanted to be able to at least present it. The second, I will say, the second part, you know, that would have to take place for the you know for the Mavericks to actually put up the fight that I, you know that I, I tried to paint uh, would obviously be you know uh, the combination of Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth you know Seth Curry, Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith, the, and the like. They would act, they would obviously have to provide enough to offset the productivity of Lou Trez and Reggie Jackson and the crew. Uh, you know, with consistency, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily anticipate that taking place. But, you know, like I said, if that were to take place, if they could get three to four, you know, maybe even five performances out of, out of that crew uh, to offset, you know, you know, what the you know, what the Clipper guys bring. Look, maybe it's wishful thinking. I still ultimately, I, you know, I, I predict the, the Clippers in six, but I would like to see the, I would like to see Dallas, you know, kind of surprise us. And, and don't get me wrong, Tim Hardaway Jr., I got nothing but nice things to say about that guy this year. Turning his – the year that he had this year versus being dead salary, you know, mm-hmm. shouts to Chris Paul trade earlier, but, like, people viewing him as dead money and him being a plus, you know, two-way player for the match, shooting the way he did. Seth Curry, you know, the reason that people see this Mavericks matchup is so hard is the defense, but, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, Trey Burke – Dorian Finney-Smith having to guard Paul George and Kawhi Leonard all series is tough. Yeah, it's rough. That's <laughs> that's not an easy duo. Like who? Like around the league, that's not even just them. Around the league, who has two wings? They feel really confident switching on and off those two all game. It's tough. Um, yeah. Let's do Toronto, your team. Let's, Miami. Yeah. Let's not do Lakers game. Blazers. Um, all right. Lakers Blazers. So eighty six point eight percent. Like, and this is the thing when you get to the Eastern Conference teams. Uh, we're, you know, we'll get there, but people are like absolutely positive that Milwaukee is safe in the first round. Same with Toronto. Like, there is not a that uh, there's one percent of the absolute diehard fans that are voting the other way. Mm-hmm. There is like a, a small strand of believers who really think, you know, Portland riding this bubble high, Lakers not being able to guard guards. That this is that this is somewhat open. So eighty six point eight percent think the Lakers are winning. Sixteen of seventeen ESPN experts think the Lakers are winning. Now Andre Snellings at Professor Doctor Z, he puts out some excellent stats, some excellent fantasy stats. He's a good follow on Twitter. Is the one ESPN guy who picked Portland. And I was looking down his timeline to see if he put out an article. I don't see that yet, but he did tweet. I don't think folks realize how much difference Nurkic makes to the Trailblazers. In the last 42 games, going back to last season, the team is 30-12 and 12 with a 5.1 scoring margin with Nurkic. That's a 59-win pace. The Lakers this season were on a 69-win pace, or sorry, 60-win pace with, five, with a 5.9 scoring margin. So it's a .8 scoring margin better than what the Blazers have with Nurkic. He says, this is very competitive. Now, I'm selling it, like kind of like you know you were selling Dallas for me. I'm going to sell Portland because they're the, the underdog here. Mm-hmm. The Lakers were 2-1 and one against them this season. Mr. Snellings makes a compelling case. Nurkic has obviously been awesome. Dame has been just ridiculous in the bubble. I still can't do it. <laughs> I, still, I still can't do it. I, I just don't know. You know, watching that Nets team who played with all the heart score the way they did against Portland, I just don't know how Portland is defending LeBron and AD. I don't know how they're doing it. Do you remember that series a few years back where it was Memphis and San Antonio in the first round? Oh, and yeah. It was a sweep, but it, you know there were four hard-fought games. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Lakers win this in five, in five, and I, you know, and and people would say like, oh, well, then it's easy. No, no, no. 
I think because of all of the things that I, I, I don't remember that at, you know, the gentleman that you just you know spoke of because of the things that, you know, that, that he laid out specifically because uh, while, yes, the Blazers can't guard anybody and they, they seemingly elect just to not guard anybody and LeBron and AD should have a field day. Uh, the Lakers can't guard any. You cannot guard opposing guards, and specifically because of Nurkic's presence, I think it will be a lot more difficult of a series than you know. It, it just on face value, a five-game series presents. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, before we go back to this, really quick, I didn't get your prediction for Mavs Clippers. I got Clippers in five. Oh, I, I said I'm sticking with Clippers in six, but okay. I, I want it to be you know more difficult. Um, so back to Blazers Lakers. I mean, Dame was ridiculous in the bubble. Um, mm-hmm. He averaged 37 points a game, shooting like 50% from the floor. I think he shot 44% from three. Nurkic was obviously very good. I'm excited. Well, let's have a Carmelo dialogue in a second here. But I'm excited to see Melo and Braun get to play each other one more time. Mm-hmm. I think if you've been a bit fan of basketball for the last 20 years, you, you can you can appreciate that moment. I, who who is who is the best defensive option for LeBron James in this series? For him to defend or for them to put on him? For Portland to throw on. Ooh. I mean, it's not Gary Trent. Like, I, honestly, I don't. Is is it really Melo? It's gonna be. I think it's gonna is have going, to be Melo. Like, can they go like Zach Collins on him? Like, Dame has no chance. No, that that's CJ not. CJ has that's no starter. chance. They were putting Gary Trent on 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 Jaw yesterday in the playing game. They don't have size. Like, like as much as you appreciate kind of what they did this year, rallying through the injuries, Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless were their tall guys who can do stuff mm-hmm. on defense. And they're both out. And they're they're not there. Um, I, 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 I think LeBron is going to have a massive series. I think, you know what, AD versus Nurk isn't a terrible matchup for the Lakers because Nurk having to chase him around isn't, isn't ideal for Nurk. Um, but I, I do think that that type of center is tough for AD because if if LeBron isn't giving him the ball, he doesn't want to really go bang. Um, so I, I think this is a LeBron series. And I think, you know, going back and forth to what you said, they're probably going to change that series to series for who the matchup is. But I, I don't – I think this is, you know, as stagnant as LeBron was in the bubble, I think LeBron's going to come out and average like 38 and 11 in this series. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I think that the Lakers, you know, will go ahead and, and – take care of business relatively quickly and, and I should say when I say they both out you know speaking of Hark, you know Harkless and Aminu they're no longer on the they're no longer even on the roster but uh, yeah um yeah I I would love for this to just be a four game hey let's just hey thanks for coming guys you know you <laughs> appreciate it uh specifically to you know, to the point on Dame I think because Dame has been so special and you know what actually let's take a quick second you know all of those times when folks would say, and I've been guilty of it, you know, the barbershop conversation of, hey, if I were just like, you give me five more inches, and I'm talking about in height, um, I would, you know, like I would be in the league. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put a stop to that and never say that again, because when I look mm-hmm. at a guy like CJ McCollum that has reportedly has a fracture in his back and he's out there playing basketball, I'm not about that life. I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> like, I, I don't have that in me. So, you know, it, it, it yeah. I make that point only to say, uh, I, I wish that it, you know I wish everybody were there and everybody were available. Um, I, I think the Lakers will you know will still take care of business and you know it'll probably it, it'll probably be five you know but if if they don't take if they let Dame you know Dame and CJ and those guys get going, 
I wouldn't be shocked to see it go six games. And I know that I'm going. I know that I'm now being safe, and I'm being you know the cautious one. But I'm just saying, I I, I think that people are are not taking into consideration the advantage they have in the backcourt quite as much. Yeah, fair enough. And I, you know, I'm going to go the other way. I think this is Lakers in four. I think That's I've fair. seen this Blazers team get swept a few times now. Um, we'll see. In the maybe, maybe they are yeah. really riding high. Maybe Dame is at that next next level. But uh, I want you to be right for the record. Yeah. And, you know, the, yeah, the, no the, the least amount of games possible along the way, you would be better for these Lakers. Um, two, two, two points. Of course, Curry's been out of the game a year, like more or less. Like I know mm-hmm. he set, suited up. The conversation is obviously going to happen. People who are mad about it, you know, go cry. Go cry somewhere. <laughs> this is how basketball works, you know. Steph Curry hasn't been the MVP in a minute. He kind of ceded his team to Kevin Durant for the greater good, which is the right call. But we haven't seen Steph, you know, rain terror in a minute. And and Dame was doing some crazy shit in this bubble, you know, putting up 60 points, shooting threes from the logo. Um, how close is Dame to, to, to MVP Curry, do you think? To MVP Curry or yeah, what to, I to expect prime. Curry coming Well, because we don't know. We don't know what he's going to look like coming back. You That's know, like, fair. Okay. Let's not speculate. But, like, well, MVP I mean, Curry who was maybe the best offensive season ever, if he was a 10 out of 10 offensively, um, what, where do you think Dame's at right now? I think Dame is a 9. And, and and you know, there's going to be people that are upset no matter what. They're going to say, the, the Steph folks are going to say, that's too close. Like, if I said, like, 9, 9.5 rings, they're going to say, that's way too close. It's disrespectful. And the Dame folks are going to say, oh, you know, put some respect on his name. The reality is this. That Steph that we saw, that's one of the greatest offensive seasons that we've seen. This Dame right now, this is one of the coldest MFers that we've seen. But, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, I, I, we didn't see it for a full 82. So if he's, you know, if he, like, say Dame does this and, you know, comes out, shocks the world, stuns the Lakers, and they, that somehow this Portland's team, this Portland Trailblazers team makes a deep run, then I think you did. You, you then have to circle back and have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, Network, the Ringers Network, uh, Jason Concepcion, mm-hmm. um, shared a tweet from someone, you know, that he knows, basically saying that, you know, there's a reason Dame's teams are actually never contenders, and it's stupid that people are comparing him to Steph. I think that's that's relatively unfair. Like, Dame, like Harden, has had some really shaky playoff performances. So, you know, I, I get that, but, like, if he always, and as good as CJ McCollum is, if Dame had a six-six defender who could defend up and down and yeah. was a knockdown shooter like Clay, right there it would be different. Hold on, and and, had, and a, a world changing defender, like yes. versatile Swiss Army knife defender. Like, come on, like. But that. but like CJ and and Dame are often redundant. They right? are like they they they're, they're just redundant. And as nice as like CJ cooked the shit out of Jaw yesterday, three mm-hmm. possessions in a row it was it was amazing. Yes, but D- Dame would have done the same thing, and. You know, Dame was just watching, which was nice that Dame could park the car while everybody else took care of the fourth yesterday. He earned a night off, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> you, you can't you help know. yourself, dude. <laughs> no, but I, I, I just I just mean, like, that's what not really where Dame needs it all the time. Yeah. Dame can do that. Dame needs somebody to go guard up down and just hit the open bucket. And I, and I think, you know, like, Steph has had a lot of advantages with the team. Now, I'm with you. I, I would say current Dame is like an 8.75... Because 8.5 feels too low. 9 might be a little too low. I'm going to hedge with an 8.75 okay. of what Curry was. But the man just put up 37 points in basically all must-win games, mm-hmm. uh, shooting 44% from three. Like, he's really good. And I, I, I think 
the Steph. There's like three people who were like, Dame is better than Prime Steph. I didn't see any one of consequence. Like none of the big accounts, no one that I know on Twitter was like, Dame has definitively passed Steph. Like no one of note had said anything like that. And Warriors fans just went to town. It's not close. How can we never? Like, it just got ridiculous. Like Dame is really, really good. So I, I think it's closer than, you know, Warriors fans would have you believe, than the Twitter masses would have you believe. I still think Curry's a step up. Is that fair? I think that's fair, and and here's the one where you know I I know we initially said it's not fair to speculate. Uh, Dame's the best point guard in the league until Steph shows me that he's back there. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I think that that's how it's got to be. That's how sports work. That's exactly that's how the game works. Interim interim title winner, interim belt holder versus you know mm-hmm. Steph's been out. Come 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 take your belt back. Um, yep. we'll see that next year. Last thing, Mellow. Okay, so. I was wrong on Melo. Many of us were wrong on Melo being done. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that I didn't think Melo could do what he is doing right now. Mm-hmm. It was that I didn't think Melo would change his mindset because I didn't see on either OKC or Houston to, you know, kind of take a lesser role, take willingly take a step back and be good at the things that you're good at, even if it means coming off the bench or getting less shots. He, did, he hadn't shown a willingness to do that. He has in Portland. So props to him. That being said, like, every time he hits a bucket now, people are like, people wanted this man out of the league. You guys are all frauds. This is why (laughs) analytics are stupid. Yeah. Mello's still been like, Mello will be able to get a bucket till the day he dies. He's still not a very good defensive player. He's still at times prone to taking a shot when he shouldn't take a shot. I got to say, there was a play yesterday in the playing game where I, I think he had Kyle Anderson on him. He got him on the pump fake about 21 feet out, just shy of the corner three. Uh, no, 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 the arc three. And he got him on the pump fake. Instead of taking a tough, you know, step-back jumper, he dumped it into Nurk, who ended up missing a hook shot, and Melo gave him a high five on the way down the court. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, like, Melo has really changed his mentality on this Portland team, and I, and I appreciate him for that, but, like, we don't need to, like, do the performance like Melo has found a role as a role player he can still get buckets he still has his flaws let's just everybody come down on that a bit all right you almost were there oh I mean like as close as it can be yeah uh, look I, I appreciate that you know that, that you acknowledge uh that he can still go um, and I also, you know, we've been talking about this for the past two years, man. And I know that you weren't saying he sucked. I know that you weren't saying he couldn't do this exact thing, couldn't fill this exact role. I know it's that you thought that he simply was not, would not be willing to. And in OKC, that was clearly the case. That was made, that was made obvious from that opening, uh, you know, from that opening press conference when, you know, they yeah. made the joke, uh, hey, they said they won't meet him. He'll come off the bench. Yeah, we saw that. That was not the case in Houston. And remember, we actually went back and forth on this, you know, like in, in the past. I think he was scared goaded in Houston. In fact, I'm certain of it, and I don't care what anybody says, because I watched those games, and he was doing this. All of that to say, I'm just glad he's back in the league. I don't care if everybody needs to eat crow. I don't care if everybody, you know, comes back and says, oh, I'm sorry. I don't care about that, like, because I, you know, it's not about me being right or, you know, grads being right or whomever else, oh, you know, that you, you know exactly where I'm going with. It's not about yeah. that. It's just great to see one of the one of the greats of the last generation still able to be you know find his way in the league. He's yeah. not he, you know, he it, yes. it, he's not a world beater anymore. He's not going you know he's not you know mellow anymore, but if he can go in and fill this role, I love it. 
Yes, I, and I'm with you. I just want to enjoy them. It's it, it's yeah. just it's just crazy. And there are stats people. I'm not going to call anyone out either way, but there are stats people who are like, convince me. Like if you think Melo's still good, at me. And like they're still trying to make the case that he's like a, a pure negative all the time, which he isn't. And there, but there are also way more like casual hoops fans who just mellow is mellow to them. And you know, he was like two of twelve in the playing game at one point and looked played a pretty awful game all around. And they were like, every time he hit a shot, I was getting tweeted like, see what he's doing. And I'm like, Stop, <laughs> man! Like just just enjoy that this is happening and. Yeah. That's it right there. Just like sometimes that's how I am on the timeline. Sometimes like I'll I'll admit like I'm an asshole on the timeline sometimes because like if I'm just sitting there enjoying it and you come at me with some dumb stuff like that, I'm not always the most gracious. And I and just this past week, it's like because you mentioned that I I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I kind of snapped at somebody because it's like, yo, let's just enjoy the game. Sometimes you just want to watch a fucking NBA game and not have to worry about what, you know, at Roger, this, that and the other you know has to say about it. (laughs) Um, before we go to the Eastern Conference, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFL Sunday Ticket TV, you can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday TV and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device where Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created Theron to bring your CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. Theron tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic grown in the US and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for target relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Um, we're going to wait on that. Don't go right now. Maybe listen to the rest of the podcast. Enjoy your commute. But then after that, you know, you have to the 7th. So Jabari shouts the Theragun and Sunday Ticket for hooking us up this week. No, absolutely. And to be honest with you, those are both products that I might be very much interested in. So I can appreciate those. You know, I don't know if the NFL season's actually going to happen. I'm very skeptical. I'm fielding a number of questions from uh, fantasy GMs within my league. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm optimistic. Um 
That being said, let's do the Eastern Conference. So, unlike the West, there's some 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 discussion. Uh, OKC, Houston, especially, and then you know we had some little bit back and forth. These Eastern Conference series are not particularly interesting on paper. I won't lie to you. Um, although one of them is more interesting than you might think. We'll get there. But first, the least interesting series in the playoffs: oh. the Milwaukee Bucks take on the Orlando Magic. Ninety-eight point four percent of fans think Milwaukee is winning. 17 of 17 ESPN experts think Milwaukee is winning. On the season, Milwaukee beat Orlando four times. They beat them by 68 combined points, about 16.25 per a night. This is like watching a G League affiliate play um, an NBA title contender. This is not what anyone is hoping hoping for. Do not check the TV ratings on DJ Augustine um, and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. What are you? Uh, what is the angle if you were selling that you needed to watch this series? Uh, well, I mean, for one, I, I see one point six percent of people that uh, voted are lying. Um, yeah, you know, I, this is one that I kind of I really struggled to provide much for when I, you know, as I mentioned, I spoke with Ty and Rowan yesterday or a couple days ago. You know, maybe if the Magic had Jonathan Isaac, and you know, shout out to him. Hope he you know, has a full recovery. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I I wasn't gonna throw shade. This is actually for real. You know, maybe if they had Jonathan Isaac, a fully healthy Aaron Gordon, you know, Michael Carter Williams there, you know, Amidu who we mentioned earlier, Mo Bamba and everyone in the mix, I could see a world where they could at least make this a fun matchup. I'm not going to bo- I'm not going to BS. This is a situation where you kind of like how you said, you know, with the Lakers, the Bucks are going to sweep and okay, I'll say this. I think the Bucks would sweep this series without Giannis. So, there. No, oh, that's a good that's a good hot take. Yeah. Um haven't yeah, had one of those in a while. I th- I think Milwaukee's I I can't see like a situation where where Orlando even gets a game, like Terrence Ross goes for his fifty one, second time in his career he goes for fifty one. Just he's just having that night. I still think Bucks are getting enough points to win. Nikola Vucevic, who is a very good player, um, I think Steve Jones posted on Twitter, uh, great film guy, great follow. That you know who does he who does a game remind you of most? And I was kind of scrolling through that, and people said uh, someone said Lamarcus Aldridge, which I was like, oh, I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, similar but, build. But Lamarcus Aldridge had this thing where in the playoffs, where if he was like the focal point of an offense, he could go for forty, and we saw that you know that's true against a number of teams over the years, like, like forty twenty even. Yeah, if if you feed Lamarcus, he can keep giving. It might not be the best strategy. It might stall the offense. It might tire him on defense. The point is giving you nothing. But he he can be the focal point of an offense where he just keeps hitting. I don't think Vucevic has shown at any point that he can go get you thirty five back to back or thirty even back to back if you need it. Like he's a very solid. He'll get you his twenty. He'll get them on good percentages. He's competent defensively. He's you know not a bad playmaker. But he doesn't overly protect protect the rim, and he can't go get you thirty back to back. And I just who is Orlando leaning on in the series? Like they're just I, I, you, you can't push a tent pole against a cement pillar. Exactly. I am. I will say I am interested in seeing what Markel looks like in some additional playoff action. Like, I, like those are the types of things from Orlando side of things that I'm, that I'm going to be looking at. Like, you know, what do some of these guys look like? You know, can they build upon this for next year? Um, and you know. I know that Orlando Magic fans will be say like this is an incredibly disrespectful conversation, but if everybody's being honest, then you know this is an honest conversation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Markel Fultz played eight minutes a game in the playoffs last year for Philly, or in twenty eighteen for Philly. Mm-hmm. So, 
it'd be nice to see him get some playoff minutes, I guess. But even, I mean, Markel Fultz is... We could talk about Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz, the one, two that... Uh, oof, mm. Given expectations for those two, where they are. Um, I don't really need to spend much more time on this one. I, like, I don't. Is, is there another angle that... No. Yeah. It's... <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) This is not. This is. I'm. I'm really not trying to clown. Like, there's just. I don't see a world where. Okay. If. If. Okay. So if Aaron Gordon's leg is healthy, and shout out to you, uh, Kyle. Yes, I have to throw that shade. Um, If Aaron Gordon's health is is is, your leg is healthy and he's just bringing it, and all of the magic are hot from deep, maybe this is a gentleman sweep. But otherwise, this is a sweep. Straight up in the traditional style. Yeah, no, this is gonna be bad, man. This is gonna be this is gonna be tough. I might not I might not watch him into this. I'm not gonna lie to you. It, I'll watch the first game. Well, the first half of the first game to see if you know if if they can prove us all wrong and make and make us you know sound like idiots. I have no problem acknowledging that if they do wind up doing that. But you know when the like, NBA playoffs start and there's like four games on every night, three uh-huh. games on every night. And your significant other is like you've been watching fucking basketball nine hours a night. The, the dinner last game, five nights. Uh-huh. Like Milwaukee, Orlando is gonna have to be my sacrificial lamb. It's that- gonna be like, baby, what can I do around the house? Like, and then when she comes at me the next day, like, oh, remember yesterday? Like, I didn't watch. Ba- I chose not to watch basketball. I vacuumed the house. I did the dishes. We went for a walk. Like, that is what or- Orlando, Milwaukee is gonna be my saving grace, sacrificial lamb, so that I can binge. NBA with a somewhat clean conscience the rest of the time. One hundred percent. I call those the dinner games. That's when you like say like, "Hey, let's let's you know, let me make you dinner. Let's go to dinner." And it's like, "Wait, you're gonna you're gonna do this during the game?" Yes, of course. And she knows who Giannis is. Like she she exactly. finds she thinks Giannis, Giannis is a very handsome man. There you um, go. Shouts to that Nurkic story uh, that guy shared uh, was a couple years ago. I was going around again how Nurkic just stole his buddy's girl from the bar. Giannis <laughs> could probably steal my girl from the bar. She thinks I mean, Giannis is a very handsome man. Um, you know, he's, he's a superstar. And so I'll even hype it up. You know, like Giannis is probably the best player in the league. I'm, I'm willing to not watch him for you, babe. Like, that's where I'm at. There you go. So, there we go. That's hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. That's yeah, yeah, hopefully <laughs> not. That's the move, boys. You can take that if you want to use it. Um, or ladies. Or ladies. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, it works both ways. Um, okay, Toronto, Brooklyn. 98.4% of people think Toronto is going to win this series. Um, 17 of 17 ESPN experts think Toronto is going to win the series. Toronto was 3-1 versus Brooklyn this year. However, this is not the same Brooklyn team that they played, you know, most of the year. DeAndre Jordan is out, so that's a pro for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But also, Kyrie Irving is still not going to be playing, never came to the bubble. An awful lot is going to be asked of Karis LeVert and Joe Harris in the series to get a win. This is my if-only series. You know, like, if only we had KD and Kyrie. By, by the way, I, I don't know why we didn't say Kyrie doesn't believe in bubbles, so that's why he didn't go. Um, you know, if they had them... I would, you know, I would love this series. This would be a great matchup. This would be a, you know, a great test for the defending champions. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to see, you know, like if, if Karis can can truly propel himself and be that third guy, uh, that you know proverbial third guy on a championship you know, or a team with championship aspirations. But you know, I, I, this is another one of those series where even though I do believe the Nets will play hard, I do think that you know uh, Karis will bring it, and I think you know, I think I think I think there'll be fun game, you know, like fun moments. I, I just can't see a situation where the Raptors lose more than one game in the series. This is going to be the most disrespectful thing. <coughs> excuse me, that I say on this podcast. But if, if if the Nets were healthy 
and Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving. You know what? Not even Kyrie Irving. Kyrie could be hurt. Spencer Dinwiddie and Kevin Durant were in the bubble playing healthy right now with this Brooklyn team, they would beat the shit out of this Raptors team because there's just no way they would keep up with them offensively. Like that, that's, that's how I genuinely – like they just wouldn't. I, I can't see it. Yeah. This I, team – and then like Karis LeVert has averaged 25 in this bubble – with no incentive to do so, literally playing with four or five guys in the rotation who weren't getting minutes this year at any point. Uh, Jared Allen's averaging 16 points, 11 boards, shooting 67% from the floor, almost four assists a game. Like This Brooklyn team, if KD and Kyrie had given their heads a shake and were like, we, we can probably play, we probably should play, could legitimately make a run this year. But, you know, that's not the team that they have. It's a serious question about Kyrie. If he's your third best player, can you be a title? You know, can you be a title team? And and for the record, and you know, maybe this is you know, folks like me that you know, he, he, as recently as last year, you know, had him as that you know that that you know he's got next guy, even though he's about to be twenty six and realistically heading into what his actual prime is going to be. Can he be? Can he be the third best on a, on a championship team? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think like him and Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie, the combination as your three, four, five, yeah, in some combination every night. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. I like, this Nets team, like, the, the only thing I want, if, if Kyrie and, and KD can actually stay healthy, this Nets team is going to be really good. Yeah. Like, I, I think going into next season, if we saw some, like, Rucker Park KD doing 80 points and we know that he was, like, good, um, I on, honest to God, I, I could see a scenario where we go into next year where the Nets are the favorite to win it all next year. I, if you could I, promise me KD and Kyrie are healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'd be in that conversation. I don't know if you – know, I think we might be going a little bit too far with favorite. But, you know, I, I do agree. I like, yeah, if, if he's fully healthy and, you know, and, and of course we never know coming off an AC you – know, excuse me, coming off of a, uh, Achilles. Uh, I, I'm just – I'm taking the wait-and-see approach with him. You, you know this, I want to see it because, you know, KD's one of my favorite guys to ever play. The Nets went 5-3 and three in the bubble with like – Pretty damn impressive. With, with Shane Falco's replacement roster. Yeah. Like, it honestly though, like you think about, we could line it up, whatever order you think Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and Jared Allen are, and Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the best three through six in the league. It's pretty close. I'd, I'd need to look at it. Uh, but one thing I will say, if you get that, if you get that squad, one more guy, one more contributor, it doesn't have to be like even the level of you know Karis. Uh, yeah, I could make you know, make. You might be able to convince me. You might I, be able I, to convince me. I have never seen Toronto take care of business the way that you would want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, ever. I, I mean, like it literally, isn't it a thing where they've never had a sweep? I think you might be right, but here's my I, question: Wait, you're not taking you're not taking the Nets in this series, right? No, no, no. I'm I'm oh. just saying Toronto's going to lose one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have Raptors in five. So yeah, like. On, on paper, they should sweep them, but I think they'll give up a game. Um, one so, thing yeah, that Toronto in five. One thing that 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 is kind of nice for Toronto, and and it's it, it's kind of like a test or an early test uh, for those two guys that we've you know we've been speaking on and whether they can be the ones to carry you know carry a team offensively you know through a tough series. And I recognize that this isn't necessarily the tough series, but that might play to their advantage. Yeah, I I mean, and someone posted on. Um, Twitter that the, the Raptors offense was dead last 30 of 30 this season against the zone um, in the half court set. That's interesting. Excuse me. So, I mean, I like, you know, who's going to, who's going to create their own shot through a zone when the, the second guy comes. 
I don't know who's doing that for the Raptors. Like Pascal's finishing moves are up and down. Lowry's size is always an issue. Fred Van Fleet can get same hot, deal. but you know, yeah, same deal with the size. I, I I do think you know we'll get to the next series when we get there, but I I think. When we get to Boston, Toronto, assuming that we do, we're, we might be on different sides of that one, but I, I really think Boston will beat them, so we'll see. Oh, um, we sure. Okay, so we each have Toronto five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do. Let's do Indiana, Miami. Um, All right. So eighty-three point one percent. So this is the smallest of any non-OKC matchup out there. So this is the second closest series. Eighty-three point one percent via the fan vote. Think Miami. 17 of 17 ESPN experts think Miami. Indiana was 1-3 this year versus Miami. Um, and TJ Warren, who, again, the coverage on him in the bubble was kind of, it was really fun, but he was a good scorer. Like, he averaged, I think, 18 a game or almost 19 a game going into the bubble, shooting over 50%. Like, the guy can score. But he really took it to another level in the bubble, obviously. Against Miami this year, obviously Warren and Butler had that dust up. That's an exciting angle. TJ Warren in three games against Butler and Miami this year is averaging 10 points a game, shooting 36% versus (laughs) 20 a night and 54% on the year. That's, like, really significant, man. Like, his, his scoring is literally cut in half. His percentage is almost cut in half. He basically goes from being like a fringe all-star third, second option type guy to we don't even want him shooting coming off the bench type of guy. Like he, he really is bumped off his rock. Depot's not healthy. Sabonis isn't going to be there. It, it's tough to – like I, I, I think a healthy Indiana team actually makes this a really interesting series, but given with where they're at, I, I, I don't think they can do it. That's the exact note that I have. The note I have is this might this might have legitimately been an epic series if the Pacers were at full strength, you know. But I will say, uh, Sabonis isn't a, unless it changed overnight. He hasn't officially been ruled out for the duration of the playoffs. It it, it the last report that I read is that he could potentially be available uh, depending upon you know how you know how far they go, and and it didn't specify whether that meant in the first round or if they made a deep run or whatever the case may be. But yeah, like you, if the Pacers were at full strength and and that. We haven't even you know, we didn't even mention your, your your guy Jeremy Lamb. You know, like if, if yeah. he's there, uh, I look if everybody were there, I think I might choose the Pacers in this series. But specifically because they're so banged up and because you know, like you said, you know T.J. Warren. While it's fun, it's fun to think about the matchup between you know he and Jimmy. Uh, unless he's able to you know kind of produ- you know reproduce what he's done so far in the bubble and against you know against the likes of the Heat, I don't think this is going to. I don't think this series will be very long. I think Zach Lowe posted a stat that like Butler's been like the second or third worst shooter in the NBA of guys who actually take you know a number of shots mm-hmm. this year. He's been that bad as a jump shooter. Um, he still outscored Warren in all these games. Like it, I just if Depot looked right, like if even Depot looked right, but Sabonis was still out and Lamb was still like Warren's banged up coming into the series too. Sabonis isn't ruled out, but you know it's not likely we see a lot of them. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm. I'm still gonna say Miami, in in five. I'll give I'll give the Pacers a game. Okay, it's 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 lame when we both have the same thing each time. But yeah, I've got Miami in five as well. I I wanted to say Miami in six, but again, I just like that number with Warren was puzzling. I was like, maybe Warren gets his revenge. He goes off a game. Uh, Aaron Holiday's actually been a pretty good find for the Pacers. Brogdon, who again has been hurt on and off all year. 
if uh, Debo and Brogdon were, you know, if, if we look, if, if they come in in game one and they look fully healthy, then, you know, you know we can reassess. But it, the re, that's specifically why I don't have it as a tougher series. It's That's just too much stacked against them. Just like a little gut feeling shout here before the offseason, would not be surprised if the Pacers and Pelicans made some sort of deal this year. They, I, they I each think, have pieces. Yeah, they both got a lot of pieces. Like I, I feel like the Pacers want to be a Sabonis team. They've got Turner there. They mm-hmm. also have five guards who can play real minutes in Brogdon, Depot, Lamb, uh, Aaron Holiday, and uh, who am I Who am I thinking here? Who am I missing? Who's my fifth guy? Oh, let me, I can try to pull it up while you go. Uh, maybe I just mean Warren. He's not really a guard. But, yeah, they have five perimeter guys that they can play a lot of minutes. I, I think that both of these teams have guys that they're like, these are mainstays, and guys who they're not sure are. And, I, you know, I, I think this I think this Pacers team actually is closer than we think. Like, I, I think they're one good hit away. And although, like, there's been a lot of, like, Depot could leave, conversations coming up too next year, so I don't know. We'll see. You, you think but, a guy like Reddick might end up on that roster? Is, are you angling that, you know, that direction? I think Ingram is uh, not safe as a Pelican, and I think he would get a nice, a pretty penny. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I think Ingram is, unless they committed to him trying to do point guard, He's going to get the most of his buckets at the four. He's a better four than a three. I think Zion's a better five than a four, but you don't want him to bang all the time at five. So I, I don't know. I could see some overlap there where maybe Ingram's on the block and he gets you one heck of a haul, but we'll see. Um, last series, Boston-Philadelphia. Okay, 89%. 89% of fans think Boston's winning this. 17 of 17 ESPN experts think Boston is winning this. Ben Simmons is out, which is really sad and unfortunate. Every he's not single year. And when I say every year, I'm talking about not necessarily him. I'm saying one or the other is out every single year. Yeah. Or her. Brett Brown is like they're already ready to just tell him he's done. It sounds like, feels like, the second that you know they lose this postseason, it feels like Brett Brown's going to be fired the next day. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a thing to carry around. Embiid is, you know, you never know. <laughs> Like you never know if he's going to be healthy, not healthy, hurt, not hurt, good one game, not good another. Um, he already, you know, he, he had a game off in the bubble. He came back, played 13 minutes. Uh, he's he's not he's already 100%. I feel confident saying Embiid is not healthy. The like, you know, five minutes of game time goes down, uh, misses a game, comes back, plays 13 minutes, plays 22, and kind of a blowout. No reason to be playing situation against Houston to get some time, but. I don't think Embiid's right either. So it is tough. But that being said, like Boston was one in three versus Philadelphia this year. And um, for whatever reason, like the, the Philly size maybe is, is tough for, for Boston. They, they have, in theory, not been their best matchup. Um, I don't know how that changes without Simmons because Simmons was a game high plus 22 in one of those wins. Embiid hasn't been actually that great against Boston. He's shooting like... 39% against them, averaging like 20 points, so well below his season averages. I don't feel like, I feel like this could be more interesting than the fan numbers and ESPN people give it, but uh, it, I mean, Boston's definitely the favorite. Much like I said about Porzingis, where I want to see him at his best, this is where we, I need, you know, we all need to see Embiid absolutely dominate. Now, to your point about him being healthy, I gotta be honest, if he's not healthy, like, what are we doing here? 
Like if he if he's not fully healthy, then I, honestly, it, on, you, whether you're planning on him being the future or planning on him being a future asset, there's really no reason to have him out here. I I took you know so, you know some of the slow you know, the slow process down or not slow process. I, I took you know uh, some of the tapered down minutes to mean that they were really just making you know, kind of putting him in bubble wrap to get him ready for this, but you know make sure that he was fully healthy for the postseason. So I am looking at this as while I have the Celtics in this series, I like I said I just need to see the best from Embiid. I, 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 I need him to bring it on both ends of the court, uh, I especially because I don't envy the ultimate decisions this organization is going to have to make this summer. Um, and, and, and I know it's not it doesn't have to happen this summer, but you and I have both kind of been in agreement. It feels like it's coming. Yeah, and I, I feel like they're in a really tough spot now, though. Yeah, but by the I mean, same token, be like, look, I'd like to see Brett Brown and his staff step it up because, look— <sighs> I need to see them coach the type of series that would warrant all the praise that NBA Twitter has heaped on Brett over these last few years. You know, find a way to make life easier for Embiid and exploit Boston in the paint, like so he doesn't shoot thirty nine percent under forty percent from the field. You know, I find mean, a way to get Tobias Harris going. Brent Brett got an extension for being a good company man, Oof. and there was a lot of like, he was with us. He was a good company man. He's gonna. He hasn't even had a chance to coach how he wanted to coach, and I get all of that. And now, and. I don't think he's been given a very fair roster. He, 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 that's true. Like, I agree. He, he's had his hands tied by what's been put around him. So I don't think he's a bad coach by any means, but it, it definitely seems like Philly's turned on him from where they were a couple years ago and they want him out. Well, and let's be real. He wasn't there. You know, he he wasn't this, uh, you know, this front office's guy, was he? No, he wasn't Elton Brand's guy. And, and, that, and that's fair. But, like, Simmons now having a knee surgery and – it's just like you just don't feel safe with the durability of anyone on that team. You've got the Tobias Harris. Like you, I broke this down too uh, at the start of the bubble. Tobias Harris is giving you TJ Warren production for over three times the price. Yeah, like if we're being fair about this, while I think Brett Brown should be out, I, I, I you know, I think I even said it on this show. If it wasn't on this show, it was on an appearance on somewhere. Uh, Elton Brand should be where they start. Like you know, Brett Brown didn't give Tobias Harris and Al Horford three hundred million. Yeah, like paying T- Tobias Harris $36 million a year the next four years is just going to be – like you can't win with that. And and he's got to play – he's more of a four than a three, and Simmons is more of a four than a one. And, you know, they got Embiid, and then they have Al Horford who they're paying 20-something million a year the next few years, and he can't even play with Embiid. That money should – that honestly, that money should have gone to Jimmy. They should have kept Jimmy in the mix there. Which, I mean, Jackie McMullen was saying on – first take or something the other day that like one day we'll find out the whole story and Sixers fans were you know being rude and pretending like they know it all when they don't know it all yeah like they know what's some going of those on those guys the they're like they run like fucking highlight accounts and they think they're plugged in with the office uh, the front office but like if Jackie McMullen's saying that I bet there's more to it than Jimmy didn't like Brett which is what they were all chalking it up to and I've, I've heard all sorts of rumors and it doesn't matter it is what it is but like it is interesting that he was on this competitive team that went to seven against the eventual champions, and if they run it back, this Philly team is more or less like very much in contention. Um, yeah. But he, he's just like, nah, I'm going to Miami. There was like no interest whatsoever in him staying. So I, I, I don't know. I, Philly's kind of a mess, man. Um, I, I'm going to say Boston in six, though, because I do think MB just overpowers that Boston front line for a game or two. <laughs> Uh, once again, same deal. 
Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be on the strength of Embiid because I, you know, like, uh, while I, I want to see it, I'm actually expecting to see it. I don't know if we're going to get it for a full six games, but I think we're going to get at least two to three games of, I don't want to even say vintage Embiid, but the best of Embiid. But I, I do have Boston in six as well. Okay, I'm going to throw this one to you out of a hat. Who do you think is the best the best chance of a of a fight or of a brawl starting? Or of an NBA fight where like a couple pushes get thrown and gets broke up? Out of any, any of the first It's, it's Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, specifically because of the way it's being hyped, even heading into it. And specifically because I do think Jimmy Butler will 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 buy into that. Will feed okay, into so it. Okay, so we're we're not chalk here because it's going to be Marcus Smart and Joel Embiid. Ooh, okay, okay. Tice is going to switch. Marcus Sparks going to have Joel Embiid posting up on him 16 feet. He's going to pull the chair and and pull uh, him down with him. Yeah, and it's going to go. It's, they're going to they're going to have a moment. Um, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. And, and for the record, of course, nobody you know we don't want to see anybody get hurt or you know get suspended or anything. But uh, uh, you know a little bit of uh, playoff intensity is 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 never a bad thing. So. I'm going to save a couple of things for the next pod because we're at an hour and a half. But the bubble was very – I just want to say really quickly, like Adam Silver, he took a lot of time. They did an excellent job making this bubble happen. The product was awesome. Um, We got some really, really good games. The Phoenix Suns – before I get to Suns, what do you think of the bubble on a whole? Man, the bubble was absolutely spectacular. There's no other way to describe it. You know, outside of a few unfortunate injuries, a couple, you know, entertaining moments involving, what, chicken wings and some booty shaking. Uh, yeah. You know, the basketball was even better than I expected. I think better than, you know, I think we both have agreed on that. Uh, they've done a good job continuing to highlight the important co- uh, topics and conversations that we both discussed a couple uh, couple uh, episodes back. Uh, the play-in situation is absolutely fantastic. I'm here for it to stay, and I hope that they make that. Uh, you, because you literally had three or four teams jockeying for the last two spots on one of the last days of games. So I hope, like I said, I hope they keep that going. The bubble has been, has been a, a rounding success. Yeah, I, I think if they don't keep the play-in game, they're stupid. This is it's been fantastic basketball to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't see the awards, they did give out bubble awards. So Damian Lillard was the bubble MVP. Um, Monty Williams was the bubble coach of the year, and first team all bubble was Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, James Harden, and T.J. Warren. Um, Michael Porter Jr. probably just missed that list. Um, I will say in the Phoenix Suns. One of the most annoying things about the Warriors fans when they were winning was the, like, like my team. How oh. come no one likes us? Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant really should be applauded for, you know, joining us. Steph is the most humble superstar ever, even if he isn't, because he let KD come here. We're the greatest team ever. Everyone should love us, but it's us against everyone. Like, And that's not, that's not totally new to a championship-type team, but, like, it was the like my team thing really has taken a – I think the Miami Heat, too, when they were the Heatles, like, we're not the bad guys. We're actually the team that everyone should like, but also everyone hates us and is biased against us and blah, 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 blah. But this like my team thing has been an ongoing situation. It, it's very rare that the, the league on a whole is going to like your team and root your team because they have their own team and their own rooting interests. The Phoenix Suns in this bubble had something going on where, like, 90% of fans were like really rooting for Booker, really rooting for the Suns, really enjoying their 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 blow up, their glow up, and that's cool. And I just I I want to spend a minute on that cuz it is very rare that the whole league is like, "Hell yeah, Phoenix, go get it." 
and that, and that was very much the vibe. Uh, we haven't seen it over the last decade. For the last decade, we've it's been nothing but Robert Sarver is an idiot. Robert Sarver is cheap. Robert Sarver this, that, and the other. And and the front office doesn't, you know, they make decisions that don't make any sense. Uh, they don't draft well. They like across the board. That has been what it is. Oh, but by the way, they had this guy Booker. Um, all of those things were all were true. But now all of a sudden. Whether it's a you know whether it's luck, whether it's you know the you know the confluence of just you know positive things happening all at the same time, or whatever the case may be, the Phoenix Suns are exciting. Um, I, you know we we've talked about them over the last couple of years, and we've both you know wanted positive things you know for Booker, or at least to see him play meaningful basketball. And while he didn't get into the postseason, that bubble was kind of you know was definitely you know you know his kind of coming out party for like oh no I'm ready I I can you know the, I can win when you know when the money's on the line so. I'm really looking forward to next year. I don't think they're going to be world beaters. You know, there's a couple folks that need to pump their brakes. But if they can continue, to, if they can continue to develop, and if they can, you know, you have a just have a positive off season in terms of free agency, in terms of you know continuing to you know work on that roster, I think my, I think Phoenix is going to be in the playoff conversation next year. I feel, I feel so bad. I don't want to go negative. Um, I, I don't even. Ugh, I, I don't want to do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. Phoenix There's no Suns need. Just enjoy, I, what I said just was fair. <laughs> well, I mean, I know what you want to say. You don't have to. Just let them have it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, it, it, it was great, man. Like, Booker going for 35 in four or five games in a row. All of them must win. Like, yeah. 35 against the Clippers in a two-point win. 35 against Miami in a seven-point win. 35 against OKC in a must-win. 35 against... Philly in a must win. Like he he was he was fucking fun to watch. That winner over uh, Paul that, that shot over Paul George. Oh, Paul George, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, was just chef's kiss. It was, mm-hmm. just, it was it was beautiful. He played a great game. He's kind of like Luca, where like you wish his three point shooting was a little bit better because it would just add such another layer to his game. But he's become a legit star, and I feel bad. I wanted to apologize. I had Randy Cruz on the show. Um, great guy. That's his superhero bracket was a lot of fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. But the, when I bring up Booker, the first thing he says is, yeah, he's a guy New York's going to have their eye on. Like, fuck <laughs> off, man. Like, <laughs> leave, Booker, leave Booker in Phoenix. Yes. He's doing good things there. I, I had a chat with a Memphis fan yesterday who was saying that, like, he proposed a fake trade where, like, Picks and Brandon Clark were going to Phoenix for Devin Booker. What? And I'm like... You guys aren't getting Devin Booker. No one's getting Devin Booker. Like, just everyone relax. You know, like, let them have Devin Booker for a while. Yeah, and well, also, and while I really like Brandon Clark, and I'm really excited to see what he develops into, like, come on, like, put some respect on Devin Booker's name, like, at least from what he's already shown you and, oh, you know, yeah. and, and the projection. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just to wrap up, um, we'll, we'll do next week. I kind of want to, this is a fun little idea, three actor NBA comparisons. Well, we'll do that on the show next week, you know, along with recapping playoff games. Um, what just we'll, we'll wrap on this. What are you binging? What have you been binging the last week since we haven't talked? Man, to be honest with you, you know, it was a lot of basketball this time around. Um, yeah. It. Uh, let's see. I. I I, I threw Lucifer back on in the background. I mean, you know, we've we've already talked about that on this show. It's it's one of those kind of like mindless shows. Uh, but I've been I've had that on in the background because I've been working on a few projects. Uh. I, I'm gonna eventually get back to Cursed. Uh, still, you know, very much enjoying that, and I'm pr- like basically by next weekend I will have finished Cursed and uh, Black Earth Rising. What about you? Yeah, um, you know, between holidays and basketball, like that's pretty much what I got to. Yeah. Um, the last little bit. Um, 
But that being said, I did watch the new Jamie Foxx movie um, on Netflix. Did you check that out? Was it Power or something? I, I haven't checked it out yet, but I saw the preview, and I, I, that's one I will check out. Yeah, um, Project Power. There so I, I put it on last night. You know, I got back from holidays yesterday, put on this movie, you know, like a 10 o'clock at night, and it was going to be like have a bowl of cereal. If I get through it, I get through it. Didn't expect anything for this. I really liked this movie. Oh. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um do you know the concept? No, I, I I watched like the like the first blip of the preview and said, yeah, I'm in. I, I didn't because you know to be honest with you, I want to be surprised. But that's like, fine. Again, like like many of these Netflix movies, you feel like they could have fleshed it out a bit more, added to it, and it would have been great. But this was pretty good. Um, so essentially, like drug dealers, military contract types have created a a drug that gives you superpowers for five minutes. Um, you don't know what your power is going to be. It could kill you. You could turn on fire. You could be bulletproof. Um, it's very much in the beta testing phases. Of course, this evil, corrupt corporation run by, you know, white elitist money hoarders um, starts testing this on, like, the ghetto in New Orleans. They just give this to, like, all the local drug dealers. You know, they don't care what happens to people who take it. They're just doing their human trials via, like, street drug dealers. Jamie Foxx is a former soldier who they were testing on when they were originally making this. He sort of teams up with uh, a local drug dealer, like a girl who's trying to make some money for her and her mom, um, played by Dominique Fishback, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays a cop, and he's like a New Orleans local and kind of wants to like, you know, save the city and know something's really wrong. The three of them sort of team up, and, and, and it's a bit quirky, and the writing's not great, but like, Really cool idea overall, and some some awesome action sequences. They shoot this entire sequence with, um, you know, a, a victim behind glass while all this action is happening outside of it. So it's, it's it's definitely worthwhile. I gave it a seventy-two, which is I think the highest I've rated a Netflix original in a while. Yeah, I was gonna say because you really liked Extraction, and I think you gave that like a sixty-nine. So okay, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll check it out. And the only other thing is like I did start watching Sons of Anarchy again. Mm-hmm. Because the girlfriend has never seen it. Oh, did you okay. get all the way through Sons or no? Oh yeah, a couple times. Okay. So I'm not gonna let her watch all of it because it gets really crappy down the line. But I'll probably let <laughs> Wait, her. Wait, what do you mean not let her? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do her a kindness. Like, I, know, I wish I somebody know. did that to me for Dexter with number four. Yeah. Like whenever. Yeah, just let me stop there. Like I, th- that's the advantage of having seen it. But I did. Uh, we're like eight episodes in. I think after Clay goes, it's sort of when it went downhill when Ron Perlman falls out. So. Yep. I think that's probably where I'll stop it. But uh, I did pull Better Son show, Sons of Anarchy or Dexter. What do you think? They both went way downhill. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Dexter for me, but I understand why people really, really love the action of Sons. I, I feel like Sons is better on a week-to-week, like episode-to-episode basis, but I think Dexter has the highest peak. Yeah. I'd probably vote Sons, though. That's fair. I, I honestly yeah. think that's fair because, I mean, yeah, like, and, and this is the thing, like, had they finished, like, say they had wrapped Dexter after season five, even, they like, I, I, I feel like we wouldn't have the negative feeling and we we might just be able to say Dexter, but yeah, it, from, from a week to week, I, I do agree it's Suns, but overall, it's still Dexter for me. Fair enough. And that's going to wrap us. So we are going to, we'll be back on Thursday morning in your feeds. We'll recap the playoff games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll talk some NBA actor player comparisons and we'll keep it going. If you haven't yet, please 
like, rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate it. We want to keep growing. We want to keep doing this two times a week. So we appreciate your support. Um, and that's going to wrap us. See you Thursday. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all odds, futures, and prop bets to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering expert.